You are listening to Your Blessed Life Podcast, episode number 18. It's one thing to be gifted with life and righteousness. It's another thing to live a life in the pursuit of righteousness. Let the stories and teachings of today's top Christian leaders inspire and move you to releasing God's best for your life. With your host, best-selling author and certified Christian life coach, Jay Marsh. Welcome to Your Blessed Life. Welcome to the show. Hey there, my name is Jay Marsh, and it's great to be here with you. I want to welcome you to Your Blessed Life. Hey, it's, it's good to be back. I feel like I've been gone for a little bit. So I just got back from an amazing trip to Cabo San Lucas. And the reason I went on this trip is to do a wedding, to perform a wedding. It was an amazing experience. It was actually a couple that is, they're friends of ours. Um, Lewis and Nancy were rededicating a 10-year, it was a rededication and a celebration of a 10-year anniversary for their marriage. And they were rededicating their marriage for all that they've had to date and all that will be for the days and the years to come. And it was an amazing time to uh, renew their vows with them, to be part of the last 10 years of their life and the new and exciting things that I know that God has in store for the next 10 plus years of their life. So awesome, awesome experience there. So today in episode 18, I want to share something with you that I, I really think it will help you to reign in this life. In fact, it's both a gift from God and also a tool that I know will bless you immensely. And you know, it may even challenge the way that you think. But before I share this way that will help you to reign in life, I want to ask you a question. I want to set the stage with this question. So have you ever, have you ever felt like you have this desire, maybe a, a need to strive or a need to pursue something? You ever felt like you're just looking for something special, something that will that'll truly fill you up, fulfill you from the inside out? And maybe, I don't know, maybe some days more than others, does it feel like that you have this innate desire to strive toward that something? Maybe, maybe you can't put your finger on it. I, I don't know about you, but for me, you know, there seems to be this yearning and it grows, it does increase, but there's this yearning in me and it's this draw that I can really say is only satisfied when I'm in the presence of God. And what it does is it fills me kind of this longing from the inside out. And no matter what I do, not even a trip to Cabo San Lucas, you know, I mean, a vacation can't do this. A new car can't do it. A, a new boyfriend or girlfriend, my wife can't feel this. Lunch at my favorite restaurant won't even do it. And not even having money in my pocket. Really and truly, there's just this one thing that can really quench that internal desire. And for me, I'm drawn to it like a magnet. And it fills my eyes with really like tears of joy. It, it fills my heart with peace. 
You know the kind of peace I'm talking about. That peace that surpasses all understanding. It, it fills me with a confidence like nothing else. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about the righteousness of God. And it's that righteousness of God that I'm talking about when I say your reign in life, how to reign in this life. So no matter what you find yourself chasing under the proverbial sun, because you know we're all busy, right? Chasing things, it seems, sometimes. Only God's righteousness, this one thing, will bring us this ultimate joy and satisfaction that we, that we strive for, that we need. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he says that you are blessed if you hunger and you thirst for it. So righteousness is this, I don't know, it's, it's this wonderful, multifaceted, two-sided blessing from God. It's both a gift from God, and it's also a means by which we live our lives, the way that we align our lives with the ways of God. Now, let me explain what I mean. So to truly live a blessed life, you know, where you don't feel like your life is less than all it could be, where it's not watered down, it's not missing something. To truly live a blessed life, you have to look to the righteousness of God to fill you from the inside out. Because nothing of this world, there is nothing external. That's why I mentioned those cool things a while ago of the world that we look to sometimes to fill us up. A great vacation, a nice meal, our spouse. But it's really about filling us from the inside out. This is how we can truly reign in this life. And the Apostle Paul talks about this notion, this, uh, this notion of righteousness. And he, he references Romans. And in chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So this verse is, is really cool because it's revealing to us how sin came into us, mankind, through Adam. And unfortunately, that sin is where death reigned through that sin and through that one man. But yet there was another man. And what reigned through him, Jesus Christ, was grace. And that grace has been given to us as followers of Christ. It's been given to us so that we can be covered by the righteousness of Christ. And so the, the gift of grace reigns through us in life by his righteousness. And in fact, you go just a little bit farther down in that verse, verse 21, and, and Paul says it so beautifully when he says, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's an everlasting, interesting righteousness. And in fact, here's an 
an, an interesting point about that righteousness. It might surprise you. It might challenge the way you think. And I've kind of already spilled the beans on this point, but I'm, I want to restate it because I don't, I don't want us to gloss over it. And that is that righteousness is really this two-sided coin of God's blessing. So on the one side, you have righteousness as a free gift. It's something that God has given to us, to those that are his children, to those that have received Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is this imputed righteousness. There's a 50 cent word for you. Imputed righteousness. <laughs> so that means you didn't necessarily deserve it. We didn't earn it, but we just got it as a free gift by God through grace. So this way, when when God looks at us, his creation, his children, he no longer sees the, the sin that entered us through that one man. He doesn't see our, our, our mess-ups, our, our shortcomings. Instead, he sees the child of God that you are. And he sees the covering of Christ over you and in you. He sees that rightness or the righteousness of Christ in you. And then on the other side of that two-sided coin of God's blessing, you have this notion of, of behavioral or uh, practical righteousness. And this practical righteousness of God that's, that's what helps us to live out our life each and every day. Maybe better said, it's that process, that sanctification. But it helps us to live our life out in a way that lines up with the ways of God. You know, it's really, it's one thing to be gifted with life and righteousness. But it's another thing to live a life in the pursuit of it. In the pursuit of that righteousness. I've learned to live my life in the pursuit of righteousness. And what I've learned is that the righteousness of God in me, you know, that imputed righteousness that I got as a free gift, that inside of me, it yearns, it wants, it craves to seek out and to live out that righteousness of God in all that I do. In every day. So it's no secret that living your life or walking the walk in your life will require obedience. And I want to emphasize, you know, I, I just said this, but I really want to reiterate this. That this obedience in Christ, this practical or behavioral righteousness, this comes before. Or actually, it, it comes not before. We've received the gift of his righteousness. So we receive that gift first, and then that practical behavioral walk in Christ comes next. So it's really about living like that accepted child of God that you are, and then responding to his love and following in his ways. And this is, you know, I really think this is that, that transformation that the Apostle Paul talks about and so many different books in the Bible. It's that, it's that freedom 
of being transformed by the Spirit of God, of being free indeed. And, and even in John, in chapter 8, 31 and 32, he talks about holding to the truth of God's Word. And in that truth, you'll be set free. Allowing the ways of God to really impact and to bless us in these different areas of our life and in every area of our life, in our, in our spiritual walk, our physical bodies, in our mind, in the words that we say, in our jobs, in our businesses, in our relationships. Allowing the ways of God to really impact us and really to bless us allows us to really experience life to the fullest. And then when we build that life on, on the righteousness of Christ, it's really like building a foundation for a solid house, like building a foundation on rock. Except in this case, God is that rock. So if we build our lives, our foundations, on anything really than that righteousness of God, then we've built our house on something less than rock. So it's going to start shifting and moving and cracking, and, and it's not going to have the strength that it needs to sustain. So what we're talking about here is really, really becoming that person that you've dreamt about. The person that you've dreamt about becoming the person that God knows you can become. When you implement the right things or the, the righteousness in your life, what we do is we position ourselves to receive God's full abundance. And you know, if you've listened to the show at least once, you know God wants that for each of us. In fact, Jesus said it best, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly in John 10.10. 10. Expectancy grounded in a God who is able to do exceedingly and above, abundantly above all that we ask. Or we think. So, as a natural result of pursuing this righteousness of God, well, we end up moving away from limitations and into limitlessness. Is that a word? You know, really, we move away from sin and we move into His abundance. And I don't mean necessarily abundance as in a pocket full of money. And I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel, which I'm just going to plant a seed with you. I am going to do a talk about the prosperity gospel. And I'm going to tell you what it really is. But anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to get distracted by it. But today we're just talking about righteousness. But in a later episode, maybe not the next one, but in a, in a later episode, I'm going to come back to really the second part to this talk on righteousness. And it's really the second part of this formula that I, that I created is a, is a little much. But this is a formula that I used when I was preparing for this. And it morphed into a second part. And I, I want to share it with you, the, the formula, just real quickly. And it goes like this. PR plus LA equals becoming more. So the pursuit of righteousness, that's the PR, plus L.A., which is life abundant, equals becoming more. And this is that process that it's not a destination. It's a process of living out our life. It's a way of living out our life. 
pursuit of righteousness plus life abundant equals becoming more. In 2 Timothy 2.22, he says, Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So the pursuit of righteousness, it requires that we build our lives on the teachings of his book. So I'm going to lay out, I'm going to lay out a, a plan with you here in a minute. But before I do, I want to share a couple of verses to put it in context with you. And the one that we just read in 2 Timothy 2.22 is a great place to start. And there's another verse in Timothy. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11, and 12. And it says, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, and fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of witnesses. Okay, so if Timothy here is telling us to flee from all of this, what sort of life does God desire for us? What, what does he expect us to live or how? Does he expect us to live? Happiness and fulfillment will consist of identifying with this and then making it our own aim. Our lives are to be like Christ's, holy, loving, just, full of integrity. Isn't really that what the word righteous means? Holy, loving, just, with integrity. Yeah, that's what righteous means. And we can actively pursue that in the matter of heart and character in everything we do and including our relationships. So this is where I had mentioned I want to share this plan for righteousness with you. And again, this is that second part of that coin of blessing. The imputed part is the giftedness that we got from God, that righteousness that is wrapped around us with the sacrifice of Christ that by grace he just gave it to us. And then living it out is, is what I'm going to break down for you here in this plan of righteousness. So before I do, though, I want to just take a quick minute, just a quick pause, and, and just ask you how this episode's going for you so far. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's speaking to you. I hope it's blessing you. And if it is, I want to invite you to take just a moment and subscribe to the show. Because this is how you can support the show. It's easy to do. It's something you can do right now. You don't have to stop what you're doing. You don't have to stop the episode. If you are on the website or on it iTunes, there's a purple button that says subscribe. Boom. Just hit subscribe. And with a click of a button, you're set. When you do that, when you subscribe to the show, it sets you up for that next episode. So thank you for subscribing to the show in advance. Okay, so let's get back into a plan for righteousness. So this is going to be, this isn't just something I threw together. This is a lot of information here. So I don't want you to get overwhelmed with it. In fact, you know what I think I'm going to do? I am going to do it. I'm going to create 
this plan for righteousness that I'm, I'm going to go over with you here, I'm going to create it in some type of a document and give it to you because it is, there's so much information. I want you to hear it, but I don't want you to be overwhelmed with it. But I also want you to be able to come back to it and you can come back to it in this episode. Sometimes for me, if I can see it and refer to it, it just, it's more substantial for me. It resonates with me. So I'm going to do that for you guys. In, an, in another episode, I'll let you know how you can get it, where you can find it. I'll just put it on the website somewhere. Okay, so a plan for righteousness. I'm going to break it down into three parts. And this first part is this. To operate our life from a place of belief and faith in Christ. So that means that the outside doesn't control the inside. And there's an awesome verse to help, to help us establish that. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 1, tells us that faith is that substance of things that we hope for and the evidence of the things that are not seen. So we have to get it right on the inside before we get it right on the outside. And we see examples of this really all around us. For me, it makes me think of putting a Band-Aid over a cut that is really bigger than a cut. It's more like a gash. <laughs> you know, it probably needs stitches or some type of needle and thread to suture it together. But we put a Band-Aid over it, and we think it's going to stop the bleeding. And, and it may, temporarily. But you know what? When you put just a, a simple Band-Aid on a, over a massive, deep cut, it's just a matter of time before that Band-Aid's going to bust off. When what you really need is that, that proper attention, something that can really hold it together. And it needs to hold it together from the inside out, not just something you slap over the top of it, but something that is kneading it together, that is connecting it together deeper underneath the skin from the inside out. And that's, that's really what we need. You know, if we're looking for any type of healing in our life, any type of improvement, the most effective improvement, the most effective healing is going to be from the inside out. A new tan isn't going to do it. Bigger biceps ain't going to cut it. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not against looking good and feeling good. But there's something about doing it from the inside out that is bigger than us on the outside. It's bigger than the ways of the world. It fulfills us and it satisfies us in a deeper way. And I really believe when we do it that way, then the things that we do from the external have a whole different meaning. They have a whole new impact to our life. So when we create a future that's rooted in our internal way that we operate, it really establishes a new kind of hope for us, a new way of life, a new way of thinking. So that we create a future that's not really on the past, but that's rooted in the future. So when we let go of that past and we allow ourselves to, I don't know, to forgive, to, for, to move on, to let go, we let God in when we do those kinds of things. And I'll tell you something that it isn't a revelation by any means, but man, it's a good reminder. We're in this world, this physical world, this 
secular world 24-7. I think it's natural for us to focus on the external. But it doesn't mean that's where our focus should be. And here's a nugget. Here's a truth. And, and maybe for, for you, that some of the most powerful people in the world have yet to figure this out. When you put, when we put our focus on the external, when we make the source of what defines us the external, we are never going to be satisfied. We're always going to be empty and lacking. That's why when we put that focus from the inside out, when we operate our life from a place of belief and faith in Christ, that band-aid isn't going to pop off because we are creating a connection from the inside out where the healing and the transformation and the change really takes place. Okay, so let me move on to the second one. And, and the second one is we can walk in righteousness by doing what God does and by understanding what is good in the eyes of God and what isn't. So focus, really just focus on the love of God, cultivating that deep love from our mind and our body and even in our, in our soul. So love fosters relationships and relationship is, is really maintained by obedience. Maybe, maybe it could be said a, a different way, another way. We become eager to learn more of God's word when we are or when we have established a relationship with him. That relationship creates connection, creates intimacy, creates unity. And we begin to love being in his word. We begin to love, love God, love his ways. And when we love it, we obey it. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and listen to what the Word of God has to say. And especially in trials or when we're frustrated or when we're disappointed or even when we're angry. And speaking of angry, it, you know, James also tells us the righteous man, that righteous person, is slow to anger. And that he controls his emotions. You know, that's that reminder for us to invite the presence of God, the spirit of patience, into our life. You know, when I think about patience, I can't help but to think about my kids, my boys. You know, I, I constantly am inviting the Holy Spirit to intercede on my behalf in this area of patience. Especially with my kiddos. I don't know what your hot button is. You know, maybe it may, it's something at work. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've got it. Maybe patience isn't a thing for you. But for me, I think it's that reminder that God's saying, you know what, Jay, you don't have all this figured out. You don't, you don't have it all. And what you're lacking, what you need, I have, and I want to freely give it to you. Just come and ask me. Invite it into your life and watch it go to work. So I do. I'm not ashamed to ask him. I'm grateful that he's there willing and able to pick up the shortcomings for me. 
Okay, so let's continue on. So what are the things that God doesn't like? You know, that's kind of what we, we started this little second nugget, if you will, the second part of the plan for righteousness. What are the things that God likes? How should we go about doing it? Well, Proverbs tells us, and Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 tells us these seven things which God hates, you know, which may be shocking all in and of itself, that there's actually things that God hates. Well, there are. These are the things, these are the actions and the attitudes, really, that are contrary, that are the opposite to his righteousness. So let's first talk about what God hates, and then we'll contrast them with their opposites. So he hates, and and these are in Proverbs chapter 6, he hates haughtiness, pridefulness, arrogance. Okay, so what's the opposite of that? If, If he hates that, well, we just need to adjust our attitudes to be humble, peaceful, unpretentious. Okay, let's look at the next one. What else does God hate? Well, he hates a lying tongue. Bearing false witness, false witness, deception. So how how do we adjust that? Well, don't let exaggeration or even a little white lie, for that matter, become a regular practice for you. Be honest. Let's think before we speak and let's line up good intentions. Maybe said above a better way, God intentions. Let's line up God intentions with the truth. Okay, so the next thing, the third thing that God hates. Hands that shed innocent blood. Okay, so how do we contrast that? If he hates that, what is it that would be the opposite of that that he would not hate, that maybe he would love? How about hands that protect, hands that defend, especially for those that can't? You know, Jesus has told us for the the elderly and the widowed and the sick. He wants us to go out and help those people. And when we've done, we've helped the likes of him. I mean, is that really any different from this verse right here? In fact, in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4, it's that reminder for us to defend the weak and the fatherless and to lift up the cause of the poor, the oppressed, to rescue the weak and the needy and to deliver them from really the hand of Satan, from the hand of the wicked. Okay, well, let's move right on. So number four, the fourth thing that God hates is a heart that devises wicked plans to plot evil. Wicked plans to do, to plot evil. Okay, so how could we contrast that? How could we align ourselves up with something that he would love. Well, how about a heart and a spirit that thinks on good things as opposed to devising wicked plans, right? To plot evil. So on a heart or spirit and spirit that thinks on good things, on ways to be a blessing to those that God puts in your path. You know, we're always talking about we want to be blessed by God and we do. And he wants to. How about if we're focused on being a blessing to those that God puts in our path. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's how we combat this fourth thing that God hates. When he says he hates the heart that devises wicked plans to plot evil. Well, we go to Philippians 4.8 and we focus on that. Whatever is true, noble, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, excellent. Those are the things we think about. Love it. Okay, let's keep rolling. Number five. God hates feet that run rapidly to evil. When you make your way of life a way that seeks out mischief, you're lining your life up with something that God hates. Okay, so how do we flip it? How do we contrast it? Well, we just simply seek out what's moral, what is virtuous, what is honorable, and what is decent. All right, well, let's look at six. God hates a false witness who utters lies, who accuses innocent people of doing something that they didn't do. And specifically, people that just lie about other people. In fact, that can even be seen in the ninth commandment, right? Not to bear false witness against your neighbor. God is just really, he's imploring us to speak truth to lift up verbally, to support others, our neighbors, our proverbial neighbors, those around us, to support them in truth. Okay, and the seventh thing that God hates is someone who spreads strife among his brothers and sisters, someone who creates conflict, someone who Likes to create controversy and dissension. You ever been around someone like that? Man, that will wear you out. Get away from them. In fact, when you're around someone like that, let it be a reminder to your spirit to be an uplifter, to be an encourager, to be a peacemaker to those around you. Take what was meant for bad and turn it for good, and you be the vessel to turn it. In all things, put on that new person of God in you. Put on that new self. Put on that new attitude, that new mindset. In Ephesians 4, 23 through 32, it says, put off the falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. If you get mad, if you get angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're mad. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a place to get to work in your life. If you've been stealing, don't do it, he says. Go to work. Do something useful with your hands. Don't let anything that's unwholesome come out of your mouth. Use it to build others up instead. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because this is how you were sealed and by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, slander. Be kind, compassionate to one another, and forgive each other, just as Christ forgave you. That's kind of the charge that we're given in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 32. 
And it's a perfect way to wrap up those things that God hates and how to contrast them with things that line up more in the, in the ways of, of the things that he loves. All right, let's move into the third part of the plan for righteous living. And it's really to focus on the pursuit. Set yourself up for success and increase your appetite for righteousness when you do. Make it what you strive toward. Make it what you want to become. Create a new routine that incorporates prayer time, Bible time in your, in your daily life. In fact, I recommend, and we, we've talked about this in a previous episode, that you take the first few minutes of the morning when you're fresh and you set the stage for the rest of your day by declaring your day. And I talked about that in episode 16, how to declare your day in less than 60 seconds. So as you focus on this pursuit of righteousness, visualize each day in the pursuit of it. See yourself doing it. See yourself being a blessing to others. See yourself being in the word. See yourself being on your knees in prayer. See yourself being full of joy, being full of compassion, being full of, of love. And operate from a place of faith and belief in Christ Jesus. Put nothing before him. When you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you opened the doors to proverbial freedom, ultimate freedom. Speak in a thing, speak in a way rather that allows those things that you say to, to edify, to bless those that get to hear it, to do things that are right in the ways of the Lord, walking in integrity and acting in a loving and kind way. You know, we talked about this a little bit while ago, but in, in having that self-control, and, and allowing that mercy, giving that mercy toward others, not because they deserve it, but because the Christ in you is merciful. Praise God, he was merciful to us, right? And maybe even when we didn't deserve it. So be merciful to others and be that peacemaker, bringing others to a place of renewal, maybe even a place of reconciliation. Okay, so that's going to kind of wrap up that third point. So you have the focus on the pursuit. And then the second one we had, you know, really walking in righteousness by doing what God does and understanding what is good and what isn't. We talked about the seven things that he hates. And then we started it all with just operating our life from a place in belief in Christ. That is the three pillars for a plan of righteousness. And listen, I know that is a lot. When I was putting this together, I initially thought, you know what, I'm going to make this into two parts because it's so much. But you know, I, I didn't want to wait. I just wanted, I wanted you to have it all and I wanted you to have it all now. You know, it reminded me when I was putting this together, one of my old favorite movies is The Matrix. And I can remember when the lead character, Neo, was plugged into a computer or something and for about 10 seconds he sat there and he was learning martial arts and all kinds of cool tricks for fighting. And at the end, he said, wow, I know Kung Fu. And that, I thought that was really cute. It always stuck with me. And, you know, I kind of felt like that at the end of this preparation for this, this episode. I know righteousness. I mean, God's given me this 
this map for it. And we've put it down into a handful of steps that we can truly implement to create a practical walk in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. I want to leave you with this. Don't get overwhelmed with this list, seemingly list of do's and don'ts. You know, we started to talk about this kind of a big list of what God approves and what he doesn't. And then we started to narrow it down to a more manageable list. I want to narrow it down even yet again to two things. Now, I want you to come back to these things and to uh, meditate on them and to think on them, to practice them. But at the end of the day, you can hang your hat on these two things. And these are really the two foundation pieces, the cornerstone, and it's the basis from which we do all things. God will supernaturally make all these other things that we just talked about become a part of your everyday life. And you'll be on the path of living a righteous life when you make your focus these two things. And these two things can be found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And Jesus said it. He said these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay, that's the first one. He said this is the first. This is the greatest commandment. And he said the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. And he summed it up by saying, all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that's why I said you can hang your hat on these two things. Because they sum up the two things that Christ came to, to be the sacrifice for. To bring us toward God and to love our neighbors. If you will allow the light of Christ to be in you and then treat others like you want to be treated, you're on your way. You are on your way. You know, God expects his, til- his children to, to diligently keep striving, to walk in righteousness, to walk in obedience to him, no matter how many times we miss the mark. And that reminds me of an awesome verse. And I tell you this because God is not sitting up there waiting for you to fall down. Proverbs 26 or 24, 16 rather, tells us that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. He wants us to get back up. He knows we're going to fall. And when we do fall, No matter how many times we miss the mark, when you see yourself, you find yourself laying flat on your back, just look up, reach up, grab the hand of God, and he'll pull you up. Listen, I I know that was a lot. I hope you'll come back and listen to this episode again. I'm so grateful for our time together today. It's, it's an honor. It's a blessing to get to be here with you, to, to be your host, your guide, your coach as we move down the path of your blessed life. And Blessed Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, I'm just asking that you leave us a review. In fact, here's something fun that I want to do. If you'll leave us a review, leave, leave your name in the review. Let me know what your name is. So on the next episode, when I get it, I can give you a shout out. I can personally say thank you. Or leaving that review. And I can share some of the review with us, with you guys here at Bless Nation. 
And if you are listening to the show in iTunes, in the search bar in iTunes, not not on the cover art on the podcast, but you have to go into the iTunes store, click the search icon, it looks like a little magnifying glass, and then type in your blessed life. Then you'll see the cover art click or, or cover art come up. And you click on that. And then you'll see the tab that says ratings and review. You can write your review. You tap the number of stars, one through five, and you're done. So Bless Nation, thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you for taking the time to rate and review the show. Please leave me your name so I can say, hey, I look forward to sharing our next episode with you. So until that next time, remember that God loves you and he wants to bless you.